Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Coach Bobby Smith knows that it takes more than long hours in the gym and countless practices on the field to develop youth athletes. If you want their passion for sport to shine, you've got to get to the why. It's not enough to learn that they train for the win because everyone enjoys the trophy and pedestal moments. But the real question is what personal affirmations drive them to desire those moments of success? Smith says that once you've figured that out, you are far more likely to get them through the inevitable strain of failure. Creating resiliency through those setbacks is the most integral aspect to athlete development and Smith would argue to human development in general. As he says, he's doing just that every day by living out his dream coaching kids. This is episode 310. Power Athlete Nation. It's that time again for your Austin weather update. No, we won't give you that. But we will give you another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing. Ing. That's right, people. I didn't get an ing out of this guy. I thought I didn't I say ing. No. Oh, there you go. Strength okay. and condition. I got the first ing. Oh, were you three ing? Ing. I always thought we had like a triple ing where you went strength and conditioning, ing, ing, ing. Yeah, it's like a strikeout when ing. you, you ing. throw it around ing. the bases. Yeah. Oh, okay. Throwing the ball around like the boys do. <laughs> that's yeah. the uh, that's my little Adam Sandler reference. Yeah, yeah throwing the ball around like the boys do. You've been talking about jerky boys and Adam Sandler for oh, fucking weeks, dude. The, uh, goat. the fucking goat from Adam Sandler. Superimposed. This, he's like, hey, this fucking old man doesn't even know what superimposed is. <laughs> he's like, if I can trust me around the mosh pit, uh, probably some of the best comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was the best comedy, but at the point in my life when I listened to it, it was Perfect. fucking yeah. solid well, gold. No, there was nothing else. Nah. Like, I, I don't know. when I, I was I, listening Jerky to it Boys on, and Adam Sandler. I didn't listen to any of fucking Eddie Murphy or anything like that. I was, was listening to it on cassette tapes because, uh, or maybe we burned CDs. Maybe we were, maybe we were able to burn CDs then. Mm-hmm. But I was listening to it on something pirated that I downloaded or I, I copied off of something else. And I remember listening to it. Um, all the fucking time and just fucking laughing for sure, dude. Jerky, we were jerky boys, guys. Me and my buddy Fabo. Oh yeah, yeah, and, no, uh, dude. Like dude. a little bit of Adam Sandler, but mostly jerky boys. Dude, the uh, the Adam Sandler whole fucking deal with like the nighttime is the right time, where he uh, like the fucking. The, I, the cult. I love this. Is the beating up of a bus driver, <laughs> and they yeah. did the the dude. janitor, the bus driver, uh-huh. and somebody uh-huh. else. Dude, the best is Tollbooth Willie too. He's like, I'm coming out of the booth. <laughs> then he just gets fucking mauled. Or Fatty McGee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> slow down, Fatty. Oh, dude, he's uh, a fucking genius. Um, some of the best stuff. And, like, uh, the funny part is, is there's a tradition of uh, comedy, like, uh, rec- like recordings like that. Like Eddie Murphy Raw, I heard that on cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheech and Chong had a whole deal with, yeah, like, a comedy. Up. Right. But, like, like, it's pretty historic that, like, big-time comics will always do some form of, like, comic uh, album mm-hmm. like that. And, um, you know, now that we have Netflix and fucking all this cool shit that, like, you're not getting a hold of this stuff and, like, mm-hmm. listening to it in your room, hoping your mom doesn't hear because they're just in there just dropping F-bombs and cursing like uh, I remember when I heard Eddie Murphy raw hmm. the opening uh, whole sequence was um, the single greatest homophobic uh, deal you'll ever hear like if you listen to like his first thing it's like this huge like um, you know gay people this but he, he's using a lot of derogatory terms that I'm not going to drop but like going back and listening to it and being like holy shit Dude, like today, people would fucking burn buildings, picket, be fucking rioting in the street over this. And it was, and he had a comedy special. 
Well, I think what's pretty interesting is that like content format, that presentation style hasn't changed since then. It's just how it's delivered, right? So it's on Netflix now, Netflix Live, but it's ultimately like you're up there and you're still pitching jokes but and you're even more restricted in the shock and awe because of like political correctness. Sure. And some dudes and chicks are fucking great, like just great at it. What, and No, back in the day, dudes were arrested, Lenny Bruce. So it was that they didn't have that true freedom of speech. I think it peaked with Eddie Murphy mm -hmm. in oh, that yeah. time frame and prior. Well, dude, uh, well, Richard Pryor was unbelievable. Richard Pryor to this day, I think, uh, is probably one of the funniest people ever. And even hear Eddie Murphy in some of the comics be like, dude, Richard Pryor shit was unbelievable. Uh, that who we were listening to Rogan and Kroll, right? Yeah, Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll. And uh, they were talking, they got on to Cosby somehow. And who was it that was like, dude, Cosby's made me feel like an amateur? Wasn't Chris it? Rock. Chris Rock, yeah. yeah. So Chris Rock, at the height of his shit, like went and watched a small Cosby set and, you know, how that panned out for Cosby. But it's pretty funny. Like, I remember Cosby as fucking Jello and Heath uh, Huxtable. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, Clarence, was it Clarence Huxtable? Maybe. I just remember it was Dr. Huxtable. I thought it was Claire. I don't Claire, know. Yeah. Wasn't his wife Claire? I don't know. The Huxtables from the show. I can't. What the fuck is that show? The Cosby Show. The Cosby, Jesus yeah. Christ, Luke. That's a shot. All right. Fucking punch. Well, I always thought it was funny that it was the Cosby what Show, but he was Cliff Huxtable. Yeah, that is. That's why I'm so confused. Yeah. So it's more. Yeah. No, I, I get you on that. It's but marketing. Uh, marketing. Dude, uh, everybody watch that show. Like yeah, I, there was only two other shows on Family Ties, and that was uh, just I couldn't I, take the life I, lessons there. I fucking hated Family Ties. Family Ties, Silver Spoons, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Cosby Show yeah. was legit. Yeah, no, it was good. I was it, a TJI Friday generation, step by step. Oh, what's the what other was one? Step by step. Day what by day. Was step by step. It was these uh, classic tale in which a <laughs> father with kids remarries a woman with kids, and these. Like the Brady Kids Bunch? No, get it's along. original. That's an original. No, it's a classic tale. <laughs> like the Brady Bunch? Yeah, step, like step brother, step by step. I remember, what was the one with uh, Kurt Cameron where it was like... Um, uh, His sister was on Full House. No, uh, Kurt, so Kurt Cameron sure. with um, uh, Alan Thick. Family Ties. Was, no. Family I, Matters. I thought Family... Family Matters also awesome with fucking Carl Carlson. God, what was the fucking name of that? Um, facts I know. Of, no, it wasn't Facts of Life because that was with that. I like, think it was Family Ties. Was the, the Facts of Life was the ones with the chicks? You remember where they like had like that older lady with the red hair, like, and they were all like wayward girls. Uh, there's no way that went. What's on. wayward girls mean? Summer household. Uh, uh, growing pain. Growing, growing pains. pains. Nailed uh, it. That was the one, dude. That we watched that show all the time. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Oh, I had uh -huh. hanging with Mr. Cooper. That was a good one. Never, See, never like, watched that, dude. You totally missed was, me on that. I so was, during that text, like that Nick, or that's Nickelodeon TGI Fridays or what TGIF. was TGIF? Uh, I think it was ABC, man. I don't know. I, I none of those shows were ever in my like repertoire. Well, like I think because I was in, I was in junior high, and we used to have this thing on Friday nights where it's called Now No Other Way, and like <laughs> that's where they like all the kids would go hang at the junior high school and like play basketball or dance and just like basically you knew where your kids were Friday night and it was supervised and then like parents got to just chill out huh. and we used to do that every Friday and just fucking tear it up me and my boy Colin the McCurry boys ah, and Radke family matters so I had family matters full house full house no step by step Sabrina at some point no I never saw any of these shows dude I'm older uh, by boy meets world by the time these shows were coming out I was already in high school 
out and trying to like yeah, go out beat and up kid, beat up kids. I was trying to, it. Yeah, I was trying. To, <laughs> <laughs> that was exactly what we were trying to do. I was out there, you know, buying cigarettes and hold it, but had it in my hand so that chicks thought I was well, older. Well, when you're six feet, go buy some smokes for that guy. It would be oh, cool. Yeah, totally. I, I remember uh, trying to get smokes so that we could look older, even though we didn't smoke. And yeah. Thank God we didn't, because I would have fucking hacked up a lung. Yeah. 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 No, never and and Texas over there watching TGI Friday with a I'm fucking ten years younger with than a uh, fucking <laughs> half, sisters half pint of ice cream just in there just you know tearing eh, it up. I will tell you what what was on constantly in the Summers household per the guide like my old man controlled the remote was fucking nine hundred two one zero in Melrose Place. He fucking loved those shows. <sighs> Dude, I was never into those. No, I didn't have a choice. And, and I'll tell you why. Like, uh, the, the one 90210 I remember watching was the one where, like, they went to some, like, party, like, some rave, and the one girl was like, ooh, I really like that guy's really popular over there, and he uh, has a black shirt with an E on it, and he's the ecstasy dealer. Okay. And <laughs> what, I re- gave it away? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I remember, like, uh, the one guy, like, does ecstasy with this girl, and, like, this big riff, and he's on, and he's, like, I was, like, watching this, and being like, this is fucking nonsense. Yeah, dude, Melrose plays. The XC guy never wears a shirt with a neon. 90210 and fucking X-Files. Like, those were the staple shows that were like family time. And then when we rebooted family time in college at our college house, it was, we were big into the OC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm talking Dusty Crackers about the OC. In fact, if if you announce it, probably when he comes to live with you for a couple days... When Packy's family is in town, he's going to make you watch We're spending all the Easter together. Oh, that's good. Uh, the uh, dude, what's crazy is we didn't have a TV in college because we didn't have cable and like we couldn't really pirate out and our TV was shitty. So I didn't watch TV for like a five year stint. And then when I got in the NFL, I didn't have a TV for like my first couple years. And I remember my family came for like Christmas or whatnot, and my mom was fucking livid. What are we going to do? There's no TV. And so I had to go buy a TV and I went and bought like TV. I bought Xbox. I bought like everything so that like, you know, hey, because like, people um, would have normal. stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. Like I, and I put them up and I, I just like totally got out of the habit of not watching fucking TV. And uh, then I and I realized, like, thank God we didn't have a TV because there's no way I would have made it through fucking college. I would have just hung out and watched that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, man, it's uh, Our it, it's interesting. College movie or TV night was Entourage. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fuck, that's so crazy. You yeah. are 10 years younger than me. Freshman I, freshman year was season one. So we just mm-hmm. watched it. Yeah, that, we, that was Chase. out, but still li- like basically still live with the college roommates. So it was fucking What out. year did you graduate from college? 2008 and oh. then 2010. It's a great year, 2008, 2007. 2008. Ugh. Those were some rough times. We call that before Packy. Ooh. Oh, God. OP? <laughs> uh, BP? Yeah. Things were fucking wild. And then, you know, and then she just clipped your fucking wings. Next thing you know, and now, and now I brought her into the, I brought her into the, the wormhole, but I don't know who brought who out of it. I'll be honest with you on that. But yeah. I feel and, like we're and a now you got, now. And now you got a little summers coming out. I know. Here you are. All these sparky. years later, spark, sparky summers is, is, is upon us. Well, hey, enough about us. That went longer than I anticipated. But since we have no schedule and no plan with this podcast, let's talk about our sponsor, Power Athlete Academy. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to hear about the premier education, professional development, and strength and conditioning coaches. We just kind of dug in to who the heck is following Power Athlete Academy, right? Mm -hmm. And pretty interesting. It's a coin toss of whether or not someone's a coach or not. I mean, there are a lot of parents who are 
getting into that to help develop their kid and like hand them off to a guy like Bobby who we're going to be talking about in a second, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then a, a variety, like, dude, accountants and shit like that when we yeah, ask them crazy. what they're doing, it's fucking wild. But ladies and gentlemen, it's about sharpening your blade within this strength and conditioning world, about being able to battle through the bullshit your own and not have to rely on uh, hearing about TGI Fridays for six minutes before we get into the good stuff. I thought it was a great conversation. I it just yeah. yeah, I love it. But but the methodology course I just, level I, one. I always knew McQuilkin was a dork, but now I totally know he's a dork. Just based off of those younger. movies. Fucking TGI Fridays? You mean thank God it's Friday? Isn't that a restaurant? Goodness. Thank goodness. But isn't that a restaurant, TGI Fridays? Oh yeah, yeah it's great. Based, great off, based off the two hour ABC programming from nineteen ninety-six. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised you didn't know that. Railing it back on, the Power Athlete Methodology Level 1 course is an online, at your own pace, coaching course. Exper learning experience. Learning experience. It's like a collegiate level college course that you take online. But here's uh, the thing about it. We were deliberate in putting this shit together so that it doesn't look like you're or feel like you're reading some fucking boring lab coat shit. So the content's great. The video is great. We got a workbook, 144 pages. We got... 44 lessons, nine sections. I always mix that up. Did I get it? Yes. 44 lessons within nine sections about unlocking the athletic potential of an athlete. Yes. And the mission is that you're applying this information, whether it's on yourself, your, your child, or the athletes within your walls, and you develop as a strength and conditioning coach along with your athlete's development. So that's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, this has been around for a couple of years. So we've had some switched on coaches go through it. Yeah. And we've had the opportunity to connect with some of the best coaches in the, the, the game right now and shared the information and had discussions with them. Mm -hmm. So Ron McKeefrey, power athlete, radio alum, Donnie may power athlete, radio alum, and just badass at UT. So they, they love that coaches are now being exposed to this and getting to a position that that coach can now learn mm -hmm. right which is a lot of the discussion today with bobby smith is his development process and intern process getting coaches to a point where they know how to coach which is the biggest challenge facing the, the future of this industry i'm with you man and i think it's just as much as i like the in-person like th there's no doubt a different experience that you get at an in-person clinic but in being able to complete this at your own pace you get to apply the information in real time and then go back and revisit Take advantage but of it also hours. creates a foundational uh, set of information. I mean, the one thing which was apparent looking at the demographics of who's following it, they don't necessarily come from a strength and conditioning background. Uh, they're not like, uh, you know, the traditional deal where I was an exercise phys, you know, major and I'm coming out and I want to be a collegiate strength and conditioning coach. And they're not going through traditional channels. So one thing that uh, this, you know, virtual online, you know, explosion is kind of taken is non-traditional uh, routes for people to get where they're going. Um, so like there is no longer this kind of hierarchy maturation process of like, Hey, I was, did this, this, and this now people are, you know, like we said, like, uh, doing something else and they want to educate themselves and going to something like, uh, you know, the power athlete methodology course gives them the foundational knowledge that they need to go in and have an intelligent conversation with a guy like Bobby if they're going into for him to work with their kids. Right. Like I would, I, I would bet anybody that's been and completed the methodology course that, you know, drives and takes their kid to a place like Bobby's, 
um, can ask the right questions, understand the training, and has the foundation to make a good decision. Yeah, be comfortable just, like this coach. Yeah, yeah he's, he's fucking switched on or call bullshit and say he's right. a fucking hack. Um, and then realize, like, hey, I have the tools uh, given to me by Power Athlete to, you know, if I can't find something, do this myself. And I, I think that's what we're really looking to do is just empower people with information and uh, not just, you know, hey, here's muscle insertion, here's a ligament attendant and distal and all like the, uh, you know, technical stuff that you would learn in like the NSCA, but actual real time information uh, developed, um, you know, over a lifetime of experiences and training and really just pairing out the information that you, that you need to know and the stuff that people aren't always going to tell you. That's right. So if you think you're that person, that guy or gal that needs to get down with the methodology course, head to powerathletehq.com or academy.powerathletehq.com. That is academy.powerathletehq.com. Now, enough about us, enough about Texas terrible TV selection that he chose. No, it was a linear no. progression to the now great palette that I have today. No, that is not <laughs> correct. Nerds. Let's so do you guys remember in Revenge of the Nerds when all of a sudden he gets up and uh, uh, he's like, fucking nerds, 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 and just starts yelling? That's uh-huh. kind of what I hear when like, you know, like the burping contest when he's like uh, Dudley Dawson and he goes, ogre, you asshole. <laughs> That's what's happening. You guys haven't seen Revenge of the Nerds not, as many times as no. I have. John Goodman's greatest fucking role and his rant Whoa. is the I know what I would do. I would go back and what is it? And, uh, uh, fuck, he, um, uh, he goes, you know, what was it? He's like, when, when your father was, uh, you know, when you were born, your father held you up and said, one day, my man, my son will grow to be a man. And he's like, I would go back and redeem myself in the eyes of my, of my father, my maker and my coach. And he fucking goes through that whole rant. It's fucking best. It's his greatest work. After Coyote Ugly. I think we got work to do over lunch. Get on YouTube and wow. watch that. Dude, you've never seen the John Goodman fucking rant? In, I, uh, it's ringing a bell, but I can't oh, fucking place fucking it. I, I haven't memorized it like uh, Walter's lines, mm-hmm. John Goodman. But if you say that that John it's, Goodman's uh, better than Lebowski, John uh, Goodman. No, I can't make that claim. That's a hard because, just made that claim? Uh, no, but I... He said some of his best work. Some of his best work, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, dude, Walter, I mean... The Lebowski is the fucking best. These men are cowards. You can't do that, man. Smokey is a pacifist. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking show dog. It has papers. All right, Barreling Ford, we're out of here. We can't be in Lebowski. It's going to take us down the wormhole. Ladies and gentlemen, let's make it happen. Bobby Smith, go. Go. You know, we haven't really given the listeners a, a, a weather report. <laughs> Recently, let's, well, you know, there's nothing that, that for the intro. That's okay. not there's some there's something that Callie really loves about the weather report. Yeah, Bobby, our, our the gal who produces our podcast, former coworker of ours. We've like each collectively spent you know months on the road with her, so you, you just get to know each other when you're traveling. She just fucking despises it when we update our listeners of the weather. But maybe there's actually a lot of things that if, she despises. But what if our guest, Bobby? What if you were curious about the weather in Austin? He'd be like, hey, how's the weather? Yeah. Yeah, how's the weather? Ah, how's oh, it thanks happy? for asking. Thanks for asking. We're, we're yeah. sitting at a low of 66 this morning, but temperatures elevated to about uh, mid to high 70s. Yeah, 71 hum- degrees right now with yeah. uh, moderate humidity. Humidity. Wind is calm. Not, you know, slight, maybe one to two mile hour wind out of the southwest, southwest. Um, but things are good. Things are good. Cloud cover is light. Thanks for asking. And humidity is low. <laughs> uh Well, we're idiots. Thanks for listening in, guys. That's the show. Bobby, I hope you enjoyed yourself. (laughs) Yeah.
<laughs> no, Bob, hey, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, what we tend to do is we just hand off right out of the gate. We pass the baton uh, to the guest. The proverbial baton, not the actual baton. Yeah, not to be confused with literal baton. Uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Give the listeners an intro to who you are and how you got yeah. here and what you're doing. All right, man. So I am the owner and founder of Ripped Reacher Potential Training, and we are a sports performance company out in Titten Falls, New Jersey. And how I got here, I was a two-sport athlete at Monmouth University. I was a track and field athlete throwing the javelin, and I was captain of the football team. And we went two conference championships when I was there. Uh, from there, I had four major surgeries in college. So I had tore my ACL, had Tommy John surgery, uh, tore my meniscus, broke my ankle, and I learned exactly what not to do uh, to train athletes when I was in college. So through that experience, I just felt like, you know, I didn't achieve my potential as a javelin thrower. You know, I was an All-American, but my redshirt senior year, I didn't, you know, have the best season that I wanted to. So I continued on, moved out to California, trained full time, and I won the 2008 Olympic trials. From there, it got me into the Olympic Training Center when I started to train under Dan Path in Thai 7. And that's when I learned how to be a track and field athlete. I was always a football player that threw the javelin. And there I started to learn how to run, jump, move properly. And right there and then, this is like, this is what I want to get back to New Jersey. The high school athletes teach them everything I'm learning here that I wish I learned in high school or even in college because I was a running back that didn't like to run because I didn't know how to run. So from there, my wife or girlfriend at the time was started her practice. She did physical therapy, sports physical therapy, and she was housed in two sports performance businesses that closed down because of poor management. After the second one closed down, I was like, let's go. Let's do, you know, open up our dream. From day one, we opened up what we have now, 16,000 square feet. And I had seven athletes at the time. Seven. Yeah, I know. I see your eyes light up. Yeah. All right. That's it. Um, you know, I put out an ad at the NSCA and I had over 125 coaches apply and Adam's fight, you know, his resume stood out by far. He had the college experience that I wanted. He was a college athlete. He was, a, you know, coaching for the Panthers at the time. I brought him in, his wife, Mary Kate, and we made rip to what it is today. And right now we're on year seven. Unfortunately, they're no longer with us. They're getting their doctorate at Springfield. But, you know, the system is still going. We're still making educational DVDs. I go around and present and coach other coaches on how to develop a system that we have here today. Good. Can you take us into some depth into the, into the system and what you do that's unique with your athletes? Yeah, I think what's unique is we deliver an experience that I feel like is no other. And it all starts with our culture. And, you know, I usually kick off the first group of the day and I'm bringing the energy and bringing the juice and, and setting that tone in the environment where it's unique, where they're having fun and working hard at the same time and getting the results that we want them to achieve. So our high school program is a standard 90-minute session. We do a dynamic warm-up, 15 minutes, and we move on to our speed and agility. Day one, we work on linear, so first step quickness, breakaway speed. Day two, we work on that lateral movement, change of direction. Our speed and agility takes 21 minutes, broken down into three uh, seven-minute sections, our mechanics, our integration, our application. So basically slowing it down, teaching proper mechanics, then integrating it. 
start moving a little bit faster. Then finally that last phase is get them competing, having fun. And then we go into our plyometrics. So we break up the groups into two. So we'll do some type of jumps, some type of med balls, get them ready to go into the weight room. The weight room takes about 35 minutes, broken down into three sections where we have our A block, explosive, followed by some type of corrective or mobility. Then we have the major lift of the day where we go into some lower body push or upper body push followed by core, then whatever we're doing, we opposite. So day one is going to be some type of single leg push. Then we're doing an upper body pull. Then day two is some type of horizontal push. Got to get the bench press in. Then we're doing some type of knee flexion, get that lower body pull. Going to the dumbbells for our C block. Then we just stay balanced throughout the day. So match the pushes with the pulls, bring them back on the turf for some conditioning, get them in here. And it's like an athletic factory. And we can have three groups going on at the same time. No one is running into one another. We're all sectioned out, zoned out where we have to be at a certain time. And it's some type of, you know, it's really unique that we have going on here. Focus on it or offer any general population or is it all expanding that youth athlete? We do have a very small adult population. It's probably about 5% of our business. Um, we started in a morning class with Mary Kate when she was here and we just couldn't get it going. So we just offer one class at night, 6.30 at night. And um, it's probably anywhere from 10 to 15 adults in there at that time. Generally, it's just high school, middle school, college athletes when they're home. But what makes it unique is my wife's business. She does physical therapy in the same facility. So she has four physical therapists, five strength coaches. So she gets them when they're hurt and we get them when they're ready to go. And that's where it's unique, where I don't need the adult population to survive like most gym owners do. Yeah, part of our, our mission at Power Athlete, especially working with some PT guys that we got on are very switched on is accelerating that gap from return to rehab to full speed. One of the biggest deficiencies I saw at the college level is kid gets hurt, he goes down, and then here we are in week eight of the season, and it's the expectation of the sport coach that this guy is a starter and can take on the full load without this understanding. So it sets that kid up for failure and so on and so forth. So to walk us through that approach, kind of connecting with the PTs, educating the parents, the coaches, and especially the athletes' expectation to get back to who they are. Yeah. And that's where, you know, my wife's business is so unique is she takes them right up to the ready to come to us. And most physical therapists don't because they're only amount allowed a certain amount of sessions. And it's like, oh, it's, you know, week eight, I'm cleared. And the kid hasn't done any running, any jumping, and is supposed to go back to sport. So my wife takes them from nine months, even 12 months, even if she's not getting paid. That's not what her mission is. Her mission is to make sure that they're ready to go back to sport and compete and not just, oh, well, we're not getting paid. Your sessions are up. So go, you know, go get some traditional or transitional therapy or sports performance training somewhere else. That's not how it goes. And what makes her so unique is that her specialty is ACLs. So like, Right now, on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there could be eight kids in there that tore their ACL, and they come in there for the first time, and as you know, it's a devastating injury, And but they see other athletes like, whoa, that person's three months out, that person's four months out, that person's six months out, and that's how far along they are, and what makes it unique is that she has my strength coaches as well, so they work for me part-time, her for part-time, and they take them through the exercises, because obviously, physical therapists most physical therapists aren't handled to go in the weight room and start taking them through a strength training program. 
So that's where it's like, all right, they come along. All right, this is what we need them to do. Get them ready for their sport, get them ready for ripped and move along that process. It seems like a lot of ACL injuries that you're, yeah. that your wife's dealing with. What's uh, any, any yeah. suspicion on root cause on what, like it's the water in New Jersey, man. Well, is that what it is? Well, I was going to say, is there a range of athletes? I mean, like I, um, like what's the youngest athlete you guys work with? So we work with, you know, eight year olds predominantly, not that many, but we have like a mighty rep program. So grammar school, then middle school kids, six through eighth, and then high school is our bread and butter. But my wife's business, she sees them all as well, too. So but do, I would say, do those kids have, uh, I mean, are those kids tearing ACLs? I mean, do you see a rash of ACL injuries associated with that, you know, I don't know, high school population more so than a middle school population? Yeah, definitely more in the high school populations because they're playing year round. You know, the soccer season isn't just in the fall anymore. It's the fall, the spring, the summer. And it's like, oh, well, we have six weeks off in the winter. So we got to get them in here training. What do you want me to do in six weeks? You know, we need to be training year round, just like you're playing. So I think with that being said is her business is so unique is there's no other competition that does what she does. So they're coming from an hour away, 45 minutes, and they're all coming here because that's what she specializes in. Not just, you know, ACLs, but ankles, knees, shoulders. And it's just coming back from, you know, surgery, getting them ready to their sport. And it, it's just like a college training room during that time from three o'clock to six o'clock. So, I mean, I guess backtracking a little bit to, to your intro and I guess the pedigree, you know, uh, not only a high performer, but admittedly, you know, unfortunately exposed to like shitty, shitty training as a kid. Right. Does that help you make a connection with some of these youth athletes? I, you know, I don't know, working with some, we, we've done some high school stuff and um, yeah. sometimes it's hard to make that connection as a coach. Yeah. I mean, I explained my injuries to them and, but I feel like, you know, I got my degree in special education. So my undergrad was in special ed. So right there and then I learned how to get in front of a group, how to entertain them, how to make it fun and how to keep them engaged. Because if you can get a kid with special needs engaged, you can get a high school kid engaged. And that's where it's like, I love the group environment, getting in front of the group, making fun of myself, start singing, start dancing, get them involved, get them having fun. And it just starts to, the energy just starts to flow and light up. So that being said, can I relate to the kids when they come back from injury? 100%. And it's like, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened. You're going to come back. You're going to be stronger than where you were because now you're going to give your body the rest that it needs. And you're going to start working on the areas that you should have been working on. And it's just, you know, that great environment that we have. Business has been around eight years. Um, mine's seven going on year seven and my wife's going on year 13. Wow. Okay. So you've been seven years. So you've actually had kids run through the cycle. They've come to you as let's say like eighth graders, freshman year, and then they've gone yes. on, uh, any success stories or anything like uh, college scholarships or kids that you've been able to place at, you know, major universities. Yeah, of course. I mean, we've had those, all those, you know, type of stories, kids coming in Like we've had our first eighth grade group coming in our junior ripped when we first started that first spring. And now those kids are juniors in college where it's, you know, funny to see how they've been coming to us year round, year round. And now we see them flourish at the university setting. But, you know, to be honest with you, like 
getting those kids to those universities are great, but it's just getting those kids to believe in themselves. That's what it's all about. Getting them to have the self-esteem when adversity strikes, that they know that they're going to come out the better end. And it's because of my injuries, I have felt that and done that. And it's giving them that belief that they can do it as well, too. Have you seen that change over the past seven years in terms of has the kid changed, has the parent changed, has the the challenge adjusted for you? No doubt it has. And it's like you had to stay with the times. And we know that kids are on social media now. So it's getting on social media, you know, commenting on their posts, reaching out to them. Hey, great game. Look forward to seeing you back here in the you know summer. Look forward and just going to their games, making sure. But the biggest thing is just treating them like their family. It's like, love what you do, serve, give them a great product. It's not about us anymore. It's about them and show them that you care. And that's our principles that we live by. And what we, what I always try and instill in my coaches is that one great training session can change an athlete's life. And I have the cards to prove it, that coming to Ripped was the best thing that was going on in their life. And we can deliver that experience to any one of these kids coming through our door. And this summer, we're going to have over 300 kids coming through our doors, but they only have one Ripped. They only have one head coach and one assistant coach. So we have to deliver that unique great experience every single time that they come to us and it's getting that into my coaches heads and getting them to believe that and getting them to deliver that experience and then did you already mention how many coaches you have working with you so i have myself two other full-time coaches we have an office manager that is full-time as well and then we have four part-time coaches that share with my wife and myself this summer we already have five interns i'm expecting a couple more and we have a great internship process it's 13 weeks long and that's where we hire from and that's where i tell kids that oh they're oh i just graduated i need a job well you better intern for me if you want to get hired here and come through and what i tell them is my kids hire you not me my kids come up to me and say yo man pat did a great job we need to get pat on board you know Jake really knows his stuff. I really like Coach Jake. What's he doing? And it's right there. And then it's like, that's the interview process, that 13 weeks. Can you pick up on our system? Can you deliver this product? Can you make a unique experience on these kids? And it's really personality. That's what I'm looking for. Do I like you? Do I want to hang out with you? Do my kids like you? Because I can teach you what I want to teach you, but can you deliver it? Do you have that it factor to deliver this product? And that's what I'm looking for. Have, uh, can you take us through like what your training looked like? So like you said, you were, you came out of college, had been you know football player that threw the javelin, then got an opportunity to yeah. go and uh, train at the Olympic Training Center. Um, yeah. You know, and Dan Path is a pretty storied dude. You know, anybody that was in the track and field. I'm just wondering, like, what did that training look like and how did that influence you? I think it influenced me more that, you know, in the past, in college, if I wasn't lifting heavy, I wasn't getting better. That was my mentality. And it's like, that's obviously not far from the truth. And it's what we did was get on the track two to three times a week and start learning, you know, proper running drills, going through proper running mechanics, teaching me how to run, teach me how to paw at the ground, getting my hips up. Because they would always like, they really would just sit there and the first three months they were laughing at me. Like this guy won the Olympic trials. He's got a low ass. He can't even run, can't even get his knees up. And then next thing you know, like three months later, my hips are up, my knees, I'm starting to cycle. I'm starting to use my arms properly. And then they're like, damn, all right, you start. Okay, all right, this kid from Jersey's all right. And, you know, I think learning that process where, it's 
slowing it down first to, before you can go fast and learning those mechanics. And that's what I want to instill with the kids is when we get into ripped, the first seven minutes of our speed and agility is slow. It's getting them up on the wall, teaching them to get their hips underneath them. Then it's day two. It's getting in that athletic position, teaching them to push off that outside leg and lower their center of gravity. And I think what I really took away from that is that just learning how to move, learning how to jump and just not getting in, like not just being in the weight room to get better. That's what I really took away from it. Now t talk about the breaking that down to work with youth. So we know you had you had a great uh, great gene pool to work with, and you reached a high level of potential, but now your full potential. But it was still the Olympic Training Center, and you were an Olympic level athlete. Now we're working with middle school and high school. So how different is your approach to the kids and teaching them speed than those basics that you learned? To be honest with you, the basics are the basics for a reason, and I think it's just you don't get caught up in the process over repetition and with them it's like we slow it down and we're working on marching we're working on getting their hips up knees up toes up slamming down the ground working that body position and for them it's just keep doing it day in and day out slow it down and then it's like all right now we started to learn it let's go into the wicked drill let's learn how to start working on stride length, covering ground. Then at the end, all right, let's put some flags on. Let's get some noodles. Let's start competing. Let's start chasing each other, smacking each other around, grabbing flags. Or our day two, we'll get some balls out, put them in the buckets. And it's slow, medium, fast. And when I was younger, it was just go, 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 fast, fast, fast. And that was it. There was no mechanics. There was no integration. It was just we're running and go, and that's it. We just go out there, do some drills where it's like, Cone drills, all right, you're sweating, let's go in the weight room. But now it's really taking this process of slowing it down, teaching the proper mechanics, getting their hips underneath them, and then getting them to have fun at the end. Dude, you're a fucking fireball. Got a lot of energy, man. Uh, too much coffee. I'm just very passionate about it. <laughs> so He's I'm like, I, it was this Red Bull and this cocaine that I was doing. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a fucking great combination. We're going to the club later. You know, we're in Jersey, so we're going to be wearing white suits on a fucking Tuesday. Fist pump, baby. Fist pump. You know? uh, dude, I, I lived in Jersey. I lived in South Jersey when I played for the Eagles. And uh, Okay. Yeah, so uh, my wife's from North Jersey. And so uh, All right. uh, not far, actually, from Monmouth. I cannot remember where she, exactly she's from, but... Uh, okay. She's told me a million times. She just, you know, it's one of those things she's talking, and yeah. I totally forget. Something about but, not listening. Yeah, I don't really, <laughs> yeah, she, I don't know. <laughs> really paying attention. Uh, she's told me a million right. times. I'm like, uh, but yeah, no. So yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, uh, New Jersey's uh, a good state for sports, man. Especially uh, North Jersey with those kids. I mean, dude, that's uh, there's a lot of available income. It's a big market, and um, you know, I just wonder if uh, you know getting scholarships and helping those kids progress has really just been a big part of that business. Because I mean, down here in Texas, where we're at now. Fuck, man, people are willing to throw money at anything that looks like sport performance that might help their kids get an opportunity to do something. Yeah. And I mean, when I started with seven kids, I had seven stud girls that I picked from my wife. And it was like two of them went to Duke, two went to North Carolina, you know, VCU, Syracuse, Villanova. And at the beginning, it was like I wanted big time athletes. I wanted all those kids that were going to those big level schools. And right now, it's like we get the kids that just want to go on play varsity. We get the JV kids that are like, man, I want to just play varsity. And don't get me wrong, we get those kids that go to those universities as well as too. But it's not about that. It's about 
giving them like what I was saying before, like this experience of getting them to believe in themselves. And it's like these kids walk in, their chest is down, their shoulders are rolled. And next thing you know, like a month later, their chest is up, shoulder blades are back and you can't get them to shut up. And it's like, that's what we want them to see is like, get them to believe in themselves. Because if you can do it in here, you can do it in the field, you can do it in the court, and then you can start doing it in the classroom. And that's what it's all about. Not just getting them bigger, faster, stronger, getting them better people. Uh, what's the one thing you've seen that empowers the kids? I mean, I, I know personally um, the difference that it makes when we actually connect and get kids to learn to lift weights properly and they can see yeah. the gains in the weight room, uh, especially for the girls, like as the girls, you know, get more comfortable lifting the barbells and moving and, and just understanding the basic lifts, like it seems to help tremendously with confidence. And I found that uh, teaching girls and also boys, you know, proper strength training is by far like the biggest advantage and the biggest, uh, you know, connection that we've seen. Uh, is that something? very similar to you guys 100 percent. and it's what i love about this field is if you come consistent you're going to get better doesn't matter if you have bad genetics or whatever you come consistent you get the results and that's what we preach to our kids right in the beginning we have our seven commandments that we take them through the assessment we just do a you know basic vertical jump long jump 10 yard sprint 60 yard shuttle which they do all flat because we get them right off their season or right off the couch and then we go in, do some marching, skipping, do some isometric bodyweight exercises, take them through our commandments, let them know this is our culture, this is what we expect from you, this is what you're going to get from us, bring them back to and talk to their parents and let them know, hey, you signed up for Monday, Wednesday, 4.30, you can make it up on Friday, we have another week at the end of this season for makeups, but come consistent you're going to get the results. And it's like they come two, three weeks, they start seeing themselves lift heavier weight or what we've seen with kids is volume accumulation. So we'll start them off at eight reps, 10, 12. And next thing you know, it's like, hey man, this girl that never touched a bar before started off at 45 with eight reps. Week three, she's at 55 for 12 reps. And it's like, see how much better you gotten already? Give me, you know, give me two more months and see where we're going to get. And it's getting them to believe in themselves right away. And that's what it's all about. So I guess going back, youth athlete, riddled with a little bit of hardship. Did you have a mentor or a coach much like yourself connecting these dots about uh, these accomplishments and, and how it affects your life outside of sport and in the classroom and at home with the parents and siblings? I mean, I like to feel like I have pulled from all the coaches that I've been fortunate enough to work with. But I think the biggest one that had that huge impact on me was Martin Rooney. And the year after I graduated college, that first year out, I was like, what the hell am I going to do? You know, am I going to go get my master's? Am I going to move out to California? Am I going to train? And I was fortunate enough to make this like Olympic development team with Tom Puskis, Sean Fury. They paid me paid for a couple meets. They paid for me to go to Baylor, get some bioanalysis. And, and Tom Puskas like, if you're going to stay in New Jersey, you have to train with Martin Rooney. So I reached out to Martin. He was a fellow javelin thrower and he started training me twice a week for a year. And that's where I really started to learn the other pieces of the puzzle where it wasn't just about lifting. It was about everything else about training my mind and getting like, I don't know what we did in those sessions, but I know how he made me feel and like he made me feel big time. Even when he was training combine guys, he would train them in a group, but he would train me individually. And like those guys would be like, yo, what's up with this kid? He doesn't even play football. You get Martin one-on-one and it's like, 
javelin throwers, man, we stick together, but he made me feel big time. And that's what I want to make my athletes feel. It's like, go out of your way to make them feel special. And that's how they keep coming back. So yeah, Martin Rooney definitely had a huge impact on me. All right. So I'm totally shifting. What's going on behind you right now? Yeah, I'm seeing the, uh, <laughs> it looks like you got some with bow and arrows on a, a gymnastics. So this is our storage room. And what we have is, uh, you know, we rent it out. We rent our turf out to archery. Oh, okay. To uh, okay. Yeah. So like Wednesday at nine o'clock when nothing's going on, close the curtain, some archery pricks come in here, shoot their bows. Then on Saturday at like three o'clock. Yeah. So nice. 16,000 square feet. Yeah. It's a big place. How do you, yeah, you got to fill it up. And how do you do that without training adults? So we rented out to some soccer. We rented out to softball. And then my wife knew someone and gave them a really good deal on archery. So, so what, uh, how, uh, take us through like uh, 16,000 square feet is half of it turf. So you guys got a ton of indoor turf or is it? Yeah, you know- six, 6,000 turf, 6,000 rubber. Then the rest is offices. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like an L shape. So it's like six from wall to wall, 60 yards. So we got turf. And then another strip, like 4,000 square feet in the back. Then in the middle right there is where, you know, we have a wall divided where my wife's business is on one side, where her athletes train, my business is on the other side. We have five power lift racks, um, five platforms, and we have like basically five stations where we train our kids at. And that's why our groups are max at 16. Someone's going to miss. So three kids per station get them in there. Then we move on to the dumbbells where we have an area of, you know, dumbbells, bikes, open rubber, bring them back, get them into the turf, get them conditioning. So it's kind of like I went to other universities, went to other sports performance facilities, kind of took bits and pieces of what I liked and kind of made this facility to what it is today. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, obviously the weather in New Jersey can be pretty cold, so it's got to be nice to have a facility you can run indoors and move around and doing that. 100% and it's just you know like especially in the winter we were fortunate we had a good winter this year but in the past we haven't had those winters so it's you got to get these kids in here running get them moving you need the space for it and I never wanted my facility to lack or inhibit my you know what I wanted to do with the kids and what I really wanted to start off with was 40 yards and a wall for med balls and we had that here and then we're about to sign the lease and they're like you know, there's an extra 5,000 square feet in the back. We just take this wall down. And he's like, that would give you 60 yards. And I was like, looked at my wife with these eyes. And I was like, we're doing it. Let's go. And we took down that wall and it made it a completely different project, obviously, from going from almost 10,000 to 16,000. But it was definitely a dream come true. And that was one of the things that, you know, the more experience I get, the more I want to talk to my kids after the session and what I relate to the message to them yesterday was every day I walk in and I'm living my dream and I get to train kids like you every day. And what I want for you guys is not just to get bigger, faster, stronger. I want you to find your passion, find what you love and go make a living out of it. Cause that's what I was fortunate enough to do. You know, we all had to train those people that we didn't want to train and I don't have to do that. Like I really only work with high school kids and those adult clients, my other coaches work with them. I have a couple of professional clients, but not many, but it's, I only coach high school and college kids. And I found a way to make a living out of it. 
And that's what I'm trying to relate to the kids is find your passion and go get it and do it. And talking to them to at the end, I feel like brings that bond and brings them connected to me even more. Uh, do you have any kids of your own? I do. I have two kids, two boys, five-year-old and a two-year-old. The two-year-old is driving me crazy. He's into everything. And, but the five-year-old, he's, he's the man. The two-year-old's going to get there, but he still yeah, needs no, to work. They're, yeah, they're at that age. So, no, it's, dude, yeah. that's great. Uh, do the kids come? I mean, obviously, they're, you know, your five-year-old's in school, I would imagine, but your two-year-old's probably there. Do you bring him every day to work, seeing as you and your wife are there? I, I don't. We are fortunate enough to have a back house where my sister-in-law is our nanny. So, and my wife starts work at three o'clock. So she only trains high school kids too. So we have the kids in the morning. Nanny comes over. My sister-in-law watches them from three to eight. Me and my wife come home and uh, we definitely we're living our dream and we have a definitely something unique. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to coach other coaches too. We started a licensing company with Pat Beef and Pat Rigsby. And like what I was telling these other coaches is, you know, without my wife's income, I couldn't live the life that I wanted to live, that I am living. Like I would have to train adults. I would have to do that. So it's, that's where it's, we're living this awesome life because of this unique partnership that we have. And it's definitely, like I said to my kids, it's a dream come true. Well, let's get into that coaching education. So where do you yeah. begin with them? Do you make any assumptions? Or are these sport coaches coming to you? Are they first-timer? Like the, is it the process you put in place with the interns? So what's going on with that side, side hustle? Um, with, are there, where am I coaching coaches, you're saying? Yes. Yes. So um, unfortunately, we had three educational DVDs through Athletes Acceleration with Pat, um, Pat Beef. And after the third one, I looked at him, I was like, you know, you talked about licensing or franchising ripped. And at the time, the second one shot, he, he mentioned it to me, but I wasn't quite ready yet. Um, I went back to school. I got my master's in performance enhancement, injury prevention, because I felt like, you know, if I'm going around coaching coaches, going around speaking, I wanted to have that MS behind my name. Just you have to have that education. Like I said, my degree was in special education. So who am I preaching to other coaches if I don't have my education? So after I got my master's, I was like, Pat, I'm ready to do it now. So teamed up with Rigsby or Pat Rigsby, Pat Beef and myself. And we have what's called Athletes Acceleration Licensing Network. And we have 25 coaches that we coach all around the country. And what we do is we give them access to all the Athletes Acceleration products give them access to our products as well too and skype meetings zoom meetings like we're doing here and it's just getting them to believe in themselves too and what we're coaching with is how i felt it was kind of like i'm coaching other coaches that don't have their degree degrees was a former athlete working with other you know athletes that want to build that business and i'm giving them the confidence to instill that they're doing the right things because I'm giving them what to do and getting them to believe in themselves. And that's what it comes down to is giving them the green light that you're doing the right things. Let's keep doing it. And you're going to get the kids better. And you don't need crazy things to get them better. It's get them great at the basics, get them, pu get them pushing, get them pulling, get them squatting, get them bending. And they're going to get stronger. They're going to get better and they're going to see the results. 
So that's been going on for less than a year now. We got 25 people, 25 other coaches, and the goal is to get it to 25 more. So we want to have 50 by the end of the year. So out of those 25 coaches, are you are they communicating what they perceive to be barriers in this business? Like, what are they struggling with? Is it not like you said? Is the focus on equipment? Like, oh, if I only had a fucking widget, I could do widget curls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is what they struggle with is any gym owner is we don't have any business experience. We don't know how to basically run a gym. We know what we want to train kids and how we want to do it, but how the hell do you make money off it? And how do you run it? So it's like taking it through Pat Rigsby and Pat Beef, where the marketing, getting out there in front of developing an email list. What should you be emailing? How many times should you be emailing these coaches and parents? Then it's giving them how do you run the business, you know, setting up payroll, those little things that we don't know anything about. And then it's like getting yourself in front of coaches. How do I get out there? Because if I'm just in the gym, how am I going to get out there in front of people? So what my talk was this past year at the Speed and Power Summit was how to develop coaches and develop a great team. Because that was the number one question I got is, you know, they seen my coaches and they're like, man, Pat, Jake, they've been with you for four years, man. They're really good. How did you get them to where they are today? And that was taking them through our internship process, telling them what we do, getting them to coach their coaches and start getting them to develop their own systems. Yeah, man. So I feel like that is a common thread. We, we talk with a lot of gym owners and head coaches, let's say, is finding that assistant, that reliable assistant or part-time coach that yes. actually wants to fucking be there. And you're, well, you like, don't have to like the proverbial Nate Austin. Like you don't have to ask yourself, why do you keep showing up if you're just like, you're a donkey, you know, but right. it sounds like you have a great system where you have these, like the kids pick the, the people they want to work with, right? So that's a great yeah. system for you with this client base. But what about a new gym owner? Is, do you, I mean, do you, do you push out any criteria or suggestion on an evaluating partners or assistants? Yes, and it's definitely, you know, like when I first started, you know, I knew what I wanted to get and I got much more an Adam fight. And it's like you want someone with that experience and that, you know, that level of coaching, you got to start giving them profits. You got to give them some piece of the cake because they got to have some invested interest in it as well, too. And that's where, you know, Adam was getting year after year more of the profits, getting a salary, but also getting, you know, that piece of the cake where it's, that's how I got someone that good. And it's like, if you want someone that good, you got to give them some. And with my coaches now, like, They've been with me for four years. So how I give them a piece of the cake is you want to do personal training. Well, I need you from Monday to Thursday, from three to eight Fridays. You're in here from three to five. You get to do all the personal training you want outside that window and you get half of it. And now, all right, man, they've been with you for over a year. They can get more of it. And it's like, now, if you want to hustle, go hustle. And my coaches, Pat and Jake, like they hustle, man. They're making an extra, you know, three to $400 a paycheck just doing the personal training side. Because in the beginning, it was like, man, I'm not doing personal training, but my coaches want to do it. So give them the option to do it. And it's like, they can make more money, have them do the more money. So it's like, I always sell the group, but if someone comes in with a unique circumstance where I can only come on weekends or my schedule doesn't, you know, rely on coming to the group. All right, man, if you want personal training, Pat and Jake, these are their hours. Then so when they're available, go. And 
they're starting to make a good living off of it. Nice, but man. yeah, man, it's like if you want to, if you want good people, you got to pay for it. Did, and I know you hired these guys. Were they former interns? They were. Both of them were former interns. They were in the same class, and like Pat was with me for eight months working for free, and Jake was with me for five months working for free. Because after the internship, they kept on sticking around, and then it was like damn, man, you're starting to get pretty good. I guess I'll start paying you, you know? And it's like, you know, and I talked to these, you know, other, you know, or my coaches, former interns, like, man, I want to get this internship. What do I do? It's like, go there, go there, send a video. Cause if you just send your resume, that's not enough. How many resumes do they get? But how many get people going there and saying, Hey man, my name's uh, Anthony Dorsey. I just got my master's. I did two internships at Ripped, and I love to keep learning. Is there any way that I could do an internship here? And it's like, it's hard to say no to someone that's passionate in person because you see that light in their eyes and they're like, I mean, I can't turn someone down. They come into me, you know? It's like, yeah, shit, man, I'm going to help develop you and get you better. I'm not going to turn that away. So it's, you want it, go get it. Don't just sit back and send your email or give a call because that ain't going to do it. Do you ever hard educate people on the the thrills of the collegiate strength and conditioning field? And I mean, it's almost like Oz, right? What's really behind that curtain? If, if people that want that position, if they only knew, do you ever try to kind of paint that picture or just set them free? We do. And I remember our first internship that we had intern, um, he was a college football player and was like, yeah, I want a big time college experience. And Adam was fucking so hard on him. I was like, holy shit, man. Justin's going to punch you one of these days. And Adam's like, he wants big time experience. I have to make sure he's ready for it because that's my ass on the line if I'm going to recommend him. And right there and then I learned because, you know, Adam had, you know, Joe Ken, I was wearing his shirt house. And the horror stories I hear from him that Adam, that house put Adam through that we, you know, obviously are not as hard on those interns now, but you have to experience it yourself. And we give our interns every opportunity. And I love getting them before they go into that college experience. So I know that they're getting the foundation and getting them ready because we've had those internships where you're just cleaning stuff or setting them up, breaking it down. And what we always say to our interns is, I could give you a fish or I'm going to teach you how to fish and I'm going to develop you and teach you how to coach. I'm going to teach you our system, our wise. So when you leave here, you know how to develop your own system and start coaching. So we want to make sure that we give them that experience, but we have to get them ready for that college experience as well too. And you, it's one of those things you have to experience. You, it's like being a parent. You're never ready till you're, you have your kid. You know, you read all the books, the five S's, you're shushed in, but until you have that baby in your hands, you don't know. So what I tell the kids is, man, come to us before your college internship. We'll get you ready for it, and then you need to go experience it. And it's like, well, then they're like, well, why aren't you working in college? Because it wasn't for me. It's not for everyone. This is what I love to do. I love getting the high school kids because they're so moldable. You know, they're so vulnerable and getting them that I can mold them into the right person that I would like. And this is where I found my passion. doesn't mean the college isn't for you. You need to go experience it. Yeah. That, that old Saban rule, you don't get that opportunity to coach. So the Saban rule, um, 
I'm trying to, I think it's no longer there, but you can only have five active coaches on the floor. So you get these yeah. big time, big five schools that have the five employees and then you get 50 five, interns. not 50, five, five interns to essentially to load unload, mark the scores on the spreadsheet, whatever. And you have on your resume, this big school, but you didn't really learn how to coach. It's, it's crazy. Right. It's an illusion. But you got it on your resume. Yeah, suppose. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, be, I know you do a lot of speaking. We we met at the play conference years back, and the speed yes. the speed summit they had, and then again this year at the NSCA conference up in Indy. So you yes. you got another play conference on the belt. What other speaking gigs do you got? Yeah, definitely. I'm doing the play one in Minnesota in June and then uh, Athletes Acceleration, their Speed and Power Summit. They're actually, we're hosting it here at Ripped in September. And as of right now, that is it. You know, um, getting ready for the summer that's going to start soon with the college kids coming back. I try and get out now in the spring. I was just out in Virginia. I was just out in California. And I love speaking too, because it gets me in front of coaches and gets me like my passion is coaching coaches and teaching them though. What I wish I learned when, you know, I was working with kids and what I want to make sure that I'm delivering and not only teaching them how to run, right. But teaching them the proper mechanics on deceleration because that's where injuries occur. Not when we're running, but when we're stopping. And I love that day too, where we do that change of direction, getting them, teaching them what we call our sway stop. Um, speed agility is definitely my forte where I love speaking about speaking about training the female athlete or jump product. Uh, my last one was how to develop a great team and being a leader. And I think that's where what I'm teaching other gym owners is how to be a leader and how to, you know, run a staff because being a leader and running a staff, we weren't taught that. You know, we were captain of the football team and it was kind of like, do what I do, underclassmen and clean up the shit, you know, but it's like, that's not how you run a business. That's not how you develop a staff. And that's not how you teach people. I mean, obviously you lead by example, but you got to let them know why you're doing it. And this is how we do it. So that was, that was, you know, I had a lot of good compliments on that last one. They said it was one of my best ones I've ever done. So I want to try and get out there and do that one a little bit more. Nice, man. Yeah, let's dive yeah. dive into that that presentation a little bit. So, were you you fighting myths, assumptions out there, or just starting from a, a foundation of leadership and then delivering your experience? Yeah, I mean, so starting off, what breaks a team? The five functions of breaking a team down, like not having trust, vulnerability, not holding people accountable, not achieving the correct results, just worrying about the egos, not worrying about what the best part of for the team, then going over mistakes that we've made, you know, right in the beginning, I know we made a huge mistake is, you know, we had an experienced coach come in and Adam and I were about to have kids. Business was growing and we didn't develop them. We're kind of like, Hey man, you played college football. You have your masters. Just watch us do what we do. And this is how we do it. And we didn't develop them. And the next thing you know, he wasn't on the bus. He wasn't running the way things, the way we wanted to be run. And it was like, this is not the way we see ourselves. You know, this isn't a, a product of us. So it's like, we're going to change this. We're going to start them young, start developing them, start making sure that we're teaching them right when they graduate. And that was one of the part of the, the presentation was, what do we do during our internship process? Is it just getting them in here and cleaning it up? 
no. The first week is watching us being a fly on the wall, but now the second week is teaching them our warm up, going over the why we do the warm up, what we're looking for, the joint by joint approach. Then the second week is going into our power development, teaching them how we coach the Olympic lifts, teaching them how we do the jumps. Then it's like, all right, you know how to squat. That's great. But have you taught a 14 year old girl that's never touched the bar before the squat? That's a big difference. So now coach us like you're going to coach the group. And that's where you get these kids that start explaining their thesis when they're coaching a squat. And you're like, you know, bro, three words or less. Get me the hip hinge, three words or less. And they're like, I can't do that. I'm like, well, how are you going to keep their attention? You know, they don't need to know everything behind the hip hinge. They just need to know why they need to do it, how to do it, and go. And then taking them through our first six weeks of our internship process. And then the last six weeks of the internship process is when our summer season starts. Now it's like the goal of the internship is to take a group by yourself. So now as me as the head coach, I'm your assistant. I want you to lead the group. You're the head coach. Now I'm the assistant in making sure everything's set up and running smoothly. And that's the goal of the whole internship process is getting them to run their own group. Now, does that happen often? God, no, it doesn't. But we find where they're, they're good at and make them exposed to it. So it's like, hey, man, you're really good individually. So if we have that kid that's really struggling, you're going to them and you're going to send and work with that person. All right, man. You're really good in front of the warm-up. Run the warm-up. I'll take the speed agility. All right, I want you to start demonstrating the plyos. And getting them to getting them to have the confidence to lead a group is the biggest thing. And then at the end is how do you keep them? You know, like like I said, my coaches have been here for four years. How do you keep them staying on the bus? And I think the biggest thing is what kind of leader you are and do they aspire and look up to you? Because it all starts with you. And if you don't have the energy, you don't have the passion day in and day out, how are they going to stay on your bus? You know, how are you going to lead them? How are you going to show them your vision if you're not the one like leading them and taking them through it? And that's where I broke it down into five steps and it went, you know, really well. Yeah. Just hearing you talk, hearing you talk a little bit about running the classes and just this, the summer cycle, I was curious how you, do you take a different approach if you you're onboarding a new athlete, right? So you have this group training and you may have yes. athletes with years of training experience, but then are you also mixing in uh, athletes that are new to the program and you're working with those Absolutely. two in parallel? Yes. So how we operate is we evolve around the high school season. So we have a fall, winter, spring, summer, and each season, the program changes a little bit here and there. Um, so, We'll have, an, basically everyone does the same warm up. They do the same movements. We'll break them down into the plyometrics. We might change a little bit, but not much. And then once we get to the weight room, so if this is your second or plus season, you're in our A group. If this is your first or second season, you're in our B group. So every coach or every um, session has two coaches in it. So like, I'll take the new kids because obviously they're the more coaching demand and then the secondary coach will take the returners. So everyone does the same template. So we have an explosive movement. We have some type of mobility or activation, but obviously the exercises change for the more advanced athletes. That's how we get around having someone that's been with us. Like today, for example, we have a girls basketball team. 
two girls have been with us since they're in eighth grade. Now they're seniors. And now we have their younger sisters in there that are in eighth grade. So it's how do I coach the senior the same way I coach the eighth grader? Obviously, I don't. But that's where it's like, all right, you get to the weight room. Hey, Sarah, Katie, you're over here with the other A group athletes. All right, I got Jessica, Julie with all the other B group athletes over here. So we divide them that way. And gotcha. that's where it's been working out really well. And I mean, by this, by this point, man, you've got some pedigree out locally, right? And I mean, people are bussing in, you said like an hour or so to come and see you guys in, in the, the shop you guys run, but it had, it couldn't have always been that way. Right. So uh, I feel like when we talk with other private sector coaches who are working, yeah. focusing on that youth point, the kids are rarely the fucking problem, right? When well, you're you getting the a, parents, when you're getting a new client. <laughs> It, yeah. There's a lot of parental education that other coaches we've talked to, they put in place to establish expectations on like, hey, mom and dad, here's your role. It's right. fucking outside the gym. Get out of here. <laughs> so yeah. I'm curious I'm curious if you've had any issues with, with that lane of the business and how you mitigate that or any tips or tricks you have for any coaches out there. Yeah. So I just had that question with the, the network group was I was going over our assessment process and it was like, well, how do you get new athletes in? And it's, I would love to say it's some fancy Facebook ad or Instagram ad. It's word of mouth. It really is. It's word of mouth. We give our kids t-shirts. They post it on Instagram. They love it. And it's educating the parents. So when they come in through the assessment that is free, that's my opportunity to sell the kid and the parent. So the parent, I walk them through this is just set up just like any college or university setting. This is where I'm going to take your son or daughter through. We bring them back. It's 45 minutes. After the assessment, we give them a sheet of paper. These are the times that are the makeups. These are the payments, questions. Here's our email. Here's the phone number to get us. We're a family-based um, family based company. Do you have other siblings? We give a sibling discount. Talked about hydration. But it's educating the parents right off there and getting them comfortable in believing in us, that they know that our reputation speaks for itself. And everything is word of mouth. I just had three new kids sign up. Parents came in, hey, I just want to watch the first session, what you go through. Not a problem. You can watch the first session, but after that, I really respect if you sit in the, you know, the waiting room. One, for insurance reasons, we can't have you on the floor. But two, the kids really start to open up when the parents aren't watching. And that's what we want. We want them to feel comfortable in this environment. So giving them that sheet of paper where they have everything laid out for them and educating them right there and then, I feel like that gets them to trust us and realize like, wow, these aren't just some slap fix. They actually know what they're doing and they run a legit you know, system. John, do you think it's like, like Jersey parents? Or like less soft than like Cali parents. I don't Cali know. Soft. I'm, I, you know, as he's talking, I'm like, uh, I'm like I'm replaying. Shocked. Well, no, I'm I'm replaying all the conversations I've had with Zach Evanish, uh-huh. bitching yeah. about uh, New Jersey parents and the idea that sport performance and like you know not willing to like. So I'm, I'm wondering if like because Zach's a little more out towards the shore, I think, than you are. Well, Zach is very close to me, but he, he deals with wrestlers. So wrestling parents are fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that like you and Zach are kind of cut of the same car, uh, yeah. same cloth as I'm sitting here. Listen, I'm like, right. God, it sounds like fucking Zach to me. So yeah, he's not too far away from me at all, but we see predominantly we have like 60% females and you know, parents with the females is different. 
it's, you know, but you get that typical, you know, dad that comes in is like, you know, I've lifted weights. Why can't I train my son? And it was like, I, my best line that I use is like, you know, sir, my wife wanted me to paint my living room and I threw some paint on the wall. I can paint, but my wife wanted a professional to come in and they put the painter's tape in, they sand it, they prime it. And I probably should have just done that right from the start. Now, you could get your son in the weight room, you'll squat with him, you'll deadlift, you'll bench, but we'll do everything else, Dad. We'll put the tape up, we'll prime, we'll do the sanding and make sure that your son is reducing the risk of injury, improving his performance, having fun at the same time, and believing in themselves. So what do you want to do? Because I'm sure you can paint the wall yourself too. No, I know we are awful painters. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, like if I, me, uh, me. Well, I'm just not good at fucking taping the this, seams. You know, yeah. I'm just not good at taping the seams. Well, right. Yeah, you're pointing at my wall. I painted that's that your wall. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm good at baseboards. That's what I'm good at. Yeah. So, Bobby, we're pretty <laughs> proud. We, uh, you know, we converted this this room into our studio here, and it's looking pretty fucking good. If you have, if you yeah. ask me. It's solid. Yeah, no, definitely. I can see. It. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Except for the drywall work on that wall. Wouldn't you agree, Bobby? That drywall well, Yeah, like- <laughs> but that's, but, but what I did is I built a table and I put up a fucking big picture just to hide my shitty drywall ability. But I did do the, uh, but I built the skull in the back. So I got to give enough. It, yeah. Fair enough. Nice. So yeah. you each get your own wall. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> yeah that's Texas wall. Doesn't have anything team. on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, my we'll, wall's outside. But we got Dusty over there looking at us. Old Dusty Crackers. Got anything else, Dex? Yeah, I got a question. So one of our block okay. quote, block one coaches posted this in our little little Slack, and he runs his own facility up in Wisconsin, and he asks, and he's new, new facility, but longtime coach, how do you handle yeah. moments of failure in training with your athletes? And he primarily works with middle school and high school specifically looking to hear from the coaches working with younger athletes. I'm rarely confronted with kids who at their moment of failure completely break down. I'm talking tears, swearing, anger, etc. And he's curious on how to navigate this scenario as a new business owner because he can't, doesn't want to lose these kids. No doubt. I think that the biggest thing that I've learned is how can you relate it from your experiences in yourself and make them to see like, you know, as a new coach myself, I remember in the beginning, like I had to be a robot. Like I had to be this machine, no vulnerability. Let these kids know like this way is the only way to do it. And then when I realized taking a step back and I have to let them see that, like, that's not realistic. That's not someone they can look up to because if you always think that you have the best day ever, they can't relate to that and let them know about your experiences and your failures and how you succeeded from it, you know? And not every day is gonna be winning a championship. You're gonna have those bad days, you're gonna have those good days. And I remember when I was training for the trials and I had this worst day of my career throwing in practice and I was ready to pack it in. And I remember my coach saying, no, 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 let's go to the wall and get me in the wall and slowed it down. I was like, listen, you're opening up your shoulders and that's why the javelin's going out to the right. Let's keep your shoulders closed, come down and block and get up over the top. And I was like, what? He's like, get to the wall, slowed it down, got it over the top. And then I got out there, started throwing and the javelin was just boom, coming out of my hand. And I was like, damn, I was ready to leave and just pack it in. But my coach pulled me aside, slowed it down, told me to get in the correct positions and it was one of the best throwing days I've ever had. 
And it's like, how do you relate to that? How can you have your own experiences and relate it to these kids? Because that's going to get them to buy in and get them to realize that not every day is the best day, but you still have to come back and still put in that work to get better. Because it's not about only the good days. It's about how do you learn from the bad days to make them good days? And that's where you have to be more experienced and get that out of kids. So Bobby, do you wait for that failure point? Cause it's, I mean, that's the whole point of training to hit that, like eventually lose, right? Everything's working against you, whether it's speed movement or the weight or the barbell dumbbell, whatever. Do you wait till that failure point or do you try to set an expectation early out of the gate in, in that onboarding process? I think early on the gate and it's like, just like week one, just like anything, what's your why? Why the hell are you coming in here? Especially like our college kids in the summer. They come in at 6.30, house music's blasting. I'm coaching with my hair on fire. It's hot so, I mean, what, what else would yeah. they play? <laughs> exactly. And it's like, why do you keep doing what you're doing? Because a lot of the kids are at big-time schools. Because if they are at big-time schools, they have to stay there. So we're talking about Division three kids, Division two kids. And it's like, why are you still an athlete? Because I know not being an athlete is probably a hell of a lot more fun going out partying every day as a college kid. But why do you do what you do until you know your why you can't keep putting in the day in and day out work and the grind it's going to be and get them to realize, all right, you got your why. Now, why is that your why? You know, it's like, I loved getting the, uh, you know, re- rewards. Like I love getting the trophies. I loved becoming an all American. I love getting all this, but why? And it's like, because people made me feel different. People made me feel special. People held me to a higher standard. And that's what I loved about it. That was my why. That's my why and the why to that why. And it's like, find that why out. Get them realizing their why right from the start. And find, it's like, find the why. Then you know, yeah. Then you know those failure days. All right, man, I know why I'm here. I know why I'm going to have those bad days, but I'm going to overcome them. Come on. I think that was a really good answer, to be honest. Yeah, I no, that was you, fucking phenomenal. I'm thinking while you're you're oh, yeah. fucking nailing yes. it, I'm like, man, we got to get that shit on social media. Let's go. <laughs> know the why. <laughs> Are you gonna get this archery shit in the background too? Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. No, we'll oh, yeah. we'll get it. I mean, no, uh, what I'm also gonna notice we, back there, we have an archery set up outside, but it's actually like a uh, like a deer. Mm-hmm. So I mean, okay. you guys have. Well, Bobby, I'm looking over your right shoulder at that spike ball set, and I'm trying yeah. to fucking size you up, dude. I think you're, you'd be a fucking worthy adversary. I'm sick of playing with this donkey dick over here who can't even, you know, <laughs> left-hand serve. You're insulting me. It's National Division Three Athlete Week. Oh, you it should is? Be. Uh, oh, fuck yeah, my boy. Damn. You, Let's go. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, just watching McQuilkin walk in his work boots makes me realize he has Ooh, lateral work, movement. Work, what are you? Are you I, I'm, boot, only, I'm only lateral movement. <laughs> so you don't walk forward? You're like a crab? You, 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 yeah, you're like Zoidberg on Futurama? Yeah. Yeah. Short stick yeah. D-Midi. It's, I got a, a five yards left to right, and that's it. So everything's frontal plane. You just go fucking, you, you got to like turn sideways to go to left and I'm right? I'm surprised you never noticed this. How do you sit wow. to yeah. pee? <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> well, that's so weird that he does sit to pee. He, he didn't even no, know. That's that's really move. He didn't even know he could stand up to pee. Yeah, you're allowed to if you need to. Yeah, but he prefers to sit down. That way he can play on his phone. And sit on the ground to pee. <laughs> <laughs> that way he pees on his heels. Uh, no, Indian man. style. I love, these, I love these rabbit holes. I love when we just totally derail. Oh, fuck. Anyways, Bobby, uh, you got anything? Do we have anything else from the Slack? Uh, no. 
Dude, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. It was fucking epic. Yeah, man. Good energy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I sincerely appreciate it. You guys are doing great things, putting out a, a lot of great content out there. And sincerely, keep it up, man, because everyone's looking up to you guys as the standard. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, I know. I know. I don't need that. I don't need that type of uh, reinforcement to put on us. Well, he's just lying to us. It's what we asked him to tell you. Oh, I got to build up, man. Build up, no, game. But Bobby, we're gonna have guys. I'm sure gonna want to reach out, potentially uh, be a part of what you got going on with the mentorship program. Where where can they yeah. go to find out more about that? Um, you know, hit me up at email Bobby B O B B Y at I Got Rip dot com. Uh, Coach Bobby Smith on my Instagram, and uh, those are the best ways to get me. And, you know, doors are always open unless you're right down the road like Zach Evanish then to piss off. But other than that, man. <laughs> well, I don't <laughs> think that you're, you know, I think you're like, uh, you know, hard work, but you're not old school. Yeah, that's probably yeah. Right. Yeah, no. not enough dirt in that gym. Yeah, you got to be more old school. God, every time. Uh, and I, I know Zach's going to listen to this and he's going to be like, ah, fucking Wilborn, old school. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. In this area. Yeah, man. Thank All you. Right. See you. Thanks, thanks Bobby. Bobby. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Get in touch with Coach Bobby Smith from Ripped by emailing him at bobby at igotripped.com or hit him up on Instagram. Again, that's at sign I-G-O-T-R-Y-P-T. And for anyone who is headed to Soar Next Summer Strong next weekend, we will see you there. Until next time, bye! Bye!